Best Book Bits podcast brings you Laura Eichel, founder of The Catch Group, a company that specializes in individual and group coaching solutions to advance diverse talent within organizations. Laura is also the author of the book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want. Laura, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation today. No worries. Now, first off, great book, uh, Values First. I read it recently and uh, yeah, super amazing. Um, As I said, I've read a book uh, many years ago regarding values, but this one really, really hit home and we'll jump into it soon. But for those people listening who don't know you are, take us back to your early years. Where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And what did you want to do when you left school? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, I'm um, based in the United States and I was born in Massachusetts, which is back East. um, And then I grew up in Texas, um, which is very different. Um, I am Italian and um, not a lot of Italians here in Texas. And so I grew up, went to school um, and knew kind of in in, um, high school that I wanted to do psychology in some way, shape or form, and really wanted to get into social psychology, which is, you know, the study of people and personality and, and how people work in groups and um, thought that it would be an academic route. But then when I, after I went to university, I knew I'd need to go to grad school. um, And I was at grad school at Southern Methodist University and took a class in organizational psychology. And that kind of changed uh, my outlook on what I wanted to do because um, kind of the world of work and how psychology really interfaces at work and in groups. Um, and I just saw the practical applicability of some of the the research that I was doing and I was hooked. And so after that, I got my PhD in applied psychology at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Illinois, and then came back to work in Texas in the um, the Dallas area, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. Sounds good. Some of the notes I got from that, so obviously you found out very early about psychology and that you wanted to do that group psychology as well um, and seeing how people interact. It's one of those things no one talks about in the real world. We know psychology is an academic field and you know something you can study, but no one really talks too much about how that actually plays out uh, in, in daily life as well, uh, which is super fascinating as well especially applied psychology yeah what are your thoughts on that in regards to you know people know about psychology as a as a field of academia but don't really think about it as a a day-to-day uh thing is there any thoughts you want to expand on that before we jump in yeah um i think it's getting more popular with um with different psychologists now like adam grant and then other research psychologists like um Uh, Amy Edmondson and Brene Brown um, all have research. Uh, Usually they they kind of have a dual hat. They're consulting and they're in academia too. Um, But there's a lot of practicing psychologists um, at work. And so the field that I am in is in industrial organizational psychology. And there's lots of different things an industrial organizational psychologist can do. um, But but a lot of it is um, applied so they can work in consulting firms, they can work for the government, or um, they can work um, in corporations. And most of my career was actually working within corporations as an industrial organizational psychologist and did things, uh, all, all kinds of things um, 
did everything from surveys of, of all the employees to increase employee engagement, um, did lots of things um, with um, training and leadership development, which um, a lot of that you see in the book um, with different stories and such. Um, and um, lots of organizational interventions, measurement. Um, there's a lot of data science now that's very popular. And a lot of those people that are doing that are, are psychologists. Yeah, got it. Where did you come up with the idea of the catch group and, you know, focusing on coaching and, and, and things like that as well? So where did that stem from? Yeah, so I... Um, I grew up uh, mostly in corporate America working at other companies, and I got to do lots of really cool jobs. And one of those things I got to do was um, to um, get internally certified as a coach um, to coach different leaders at an organization that I worked in earlier in my career. And it's something I just loved doing once I got to do it. And so what that looked like was um, having coaching clients internally. Um, and then I would I would do that. It was never full-time my job, but it was always a part of my job in some way, shape, or form. And I just, I loved it. It was those days at work that I just uh, loved more than anything, connecting with leaders. I got to learn a lot as well. I'm a continuous learner. And so those days that I got to, you know, help leaders one-on-one, -on -one, I got to understand the business, what was on their mind, and really um, tried to ask them different questions that would help them with their own self-improvement. And so, um, so there uh, is where I, I fell in love with coaching. And then throughout my career, I always thought, hey, one day, one day, you know, probably later in life, um, kind of the, you know, retirement angle, I might have my own coaching business. I never thought that I would um, have my own business. I've never really been an entrepreneur. I've always loved the stability of an organization. And as I grew my career um, and got bigger roles, I was the chief learning officer at YPO, um, which is a global organization, um, and loved that as well. But I kept getting tugged back to coaching, like those, those, that you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, very direct impact. And it was during the pandemic um, that, you know, I took a, just like many people, right, <laughs> took a look at what's really important to me. And I had already started using for myself this idea and this framework of values and what are my values and how am I meeting those values. And I took a, another deep look at that and um, my values of growth and development and advocacy um, were playing out, but not in the way that I wanted them to. And so I really took a deep look at that and I thought, well, when, when was I at my best doing that? And I, and I rooted back into the, the times that I was coaching and I wanted to make that direct impact, um, especially with um, marginalized individuals and women to get more diversity and authenticity into top jobs at companies. Um, it's a, it's a, um, we have a long way to go. I think we're making some strides um, in uh, in the workforce, but there's a huge gap in um, in some of the, some of the diversity and leadership. And so I knew that I could impact that. And so that's when I decided to um, form my own coaching and consulting firm to do just that. And that's what I do now. 
Yeah, awesome. Some of the, yeah, thank you for sharing. And some of the notes I got from that, especially what you said at the end was, you know, helping um, sort of, well, first is your values. So you realized early that your values were growth, development, and advocacy, and then moving towards those values. And what can you do that's going to spend most of your time in those values, which was coaching, which you said, and then having a direct impact and working out, working with diverse individuals, such as, you know, women, people of color, and the LGBTQ. Uh, community leaders, getting them into more top jobs at companies. What made you do that? What was the, what, that seems like a, a very specific area. What what made you get into that particular field? of? Yeah, I would say that leans more towards my value of advocacy, right? And so I, um, I am a white cisgendered woman and I have lots of privilege. So if I can use my talents and my coaching to impact other people, um, to help them, um, you know, get their careers, accelerate their careers into some of these top jobs. It just felt like that was the right way to live my values and impact. Where did the idea for the book book come in and how long did it take for you to write and when did it come out? Yeah. So, um, the book has always been kind of an idea in the back of my mind. I think ever since I was little, um, I've, I've done, I've done some kind of writing. I used to make books for people as gifts as a child, um, like for mother's day and father's day and birthdays and things like that. And, um, as I continued in college, I minored in journalism, creative writing. So that like kind of writing was always there and, you know, through graduate school, writing became part of my job. And so I kind of lost that creative aspect. And um, through pandemic, writing kind of became another um, another way. And it started back with journaling. So at the end of the day, um, I would just start, you know, writing. And some of these stories just kind of started pouring out of me. And it was at the time where I was just really taking a deep dive on what do I want in my career and what might make sense? And I just, um, I started thinking about it seriously and uh, started writing the book about a year and a half ago. And uh, it just came out uh, April 12th. So very recently. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. As I said, amazing book. We'll jump into it now. So the, the book is based on values and I like how you break down uh, the values. So first off, V stands for values first, A stands for audit time. L stands for life boundaries, U stands for uplifting others, E stands for experiencing conflict, and S stands for sustaining value. So the first chapter we jump into is values first, and you talk about digging to what matters most to you and set the foundation of your core values. You also get clarity on what living those values looks like uniquely to you. Yeah, can you talk about uh, the first one, values, and digging into it? Yeah, I think um, I think values has to start first. And for me, what happened is, you know, I got to a point in my career where I was, um, I, I really just wasn't happy. And I, this was earlier in my career, um, before I had the language around values. And, um, I had this pivotal moment that I talk about in the book where I had, um, I had breakfast with, uh, one of my mentors, Mark, and he said, you know, something, something else is going on here. You need to be able to name it to be able to figure out what, it, what this is and what values, what, what they do, what they did for me, um, is they put a language around it. So then I could identify what am I loving and what am I not right. And so for me, that discomfort 
um, ended up being the value of growth that I was not being challenged in that role at that company at the time. And so it led me to, um, to leave that company and eventually be in a, in a role that I love and I was growing and, and developing myself. But what I love about values is it, it puts a, a language around it. It grounds you. If there's a situation that you're just loving, or if there's a situation where you're just very uncomfortable and you know something's not right, that you're misaligned, you can go back to your foundation, which are your values, and really understand and do some self-reflection on what is going on here. And I really find that through the coaching that I do, um, you know, these feelings of, you know, hey, is this company right for me? Is this role right for me? Um, when you when you come down to it, um, it's usually a value that's either misaligned or not being met. And once you can identify that, you can then take action and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the first step is of values first is to name it, as you said. So name it to tame it. And I like the story about breakfast with Mark and obviously having someone advice to tell you exactly to name your values but what exactly is a value what what's what is a value defined as yeah it's uh, the way that i talk about it is it's a it's a core belief right it's something that you identify that matters to you right so very simply um they are their core beliefs that kind of center you and those could be big things they could be feelings Sometimes they're words. Sometimes people like to use phrases. Um, and so for me, I've mentioned a couple of them so far, but my values, I have six of them. And I say, hey, you should you know, have about five to seven of them because after seven, that's just a lot. Um, but my values are family, growth, development, advocacy, achievement, and balance. Awesome. I'll share mine. So yours is family, growth, development, advocacy. Was it achievement? What's the other one? And balance. Balance. Yeah, I like that one. After reading your book as a um, as we spoke sort of offline, I actually put my values um, list together. Now I've I've had values list for a long time, but you always got to update them as well on what's relevant too. So my one is family first. So I've got a wife and two small kids as well, and I spend a lot of time obviously with family. So that's number one. And knowing your values as well is ordered in. So we'll get into it. And I'm jumping thing, but it's ordered in your time. Like, where do you spend your time? What do you actually do? So I spend most of my time with my family. So that is my core value. Like it or lump it, that's number one. Number two is knowledge. So I spend most of my time after family is gathering my own knowledge and pouring information to this little pea brain. So that's number two. And then it's health. So I spend a lot of time thinking about health and doing health as well. But that needs to be, that was a lower value, but now I've, I've prioritized that higher. So again, that's something you can actually prioritize something higher if you're aiming for as well. Number four is wealth. So that's another thing on my agenda to accumulate wealth. And then number five is people. So under that it people and then teaching. So what I'm doing now, this is a part of teaching. So they're, they're my six. Uh, family, knowledge, health, wealth, people and teaching. And I've got them on the board behind me as well. So yeah, thanks thanks for sharing, but they're, they're mine as well. Talk about, you, you. there's a lot of stuff in the book to unpack, but you talk about clarifying through values. You also talk about getting a 360 performance review. And um, if you want to jump into any of those things and expand on that um, and how that sort of clarifies your values as well. Yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes we, and especially at work, we aren't sure or we don't see where some of these things show up. And so sometimes 
we, I love self-reflection, but we are also, um, kind of biased in how we see ourselves. So sometimes we need to get an outside point of view. Um, I love a, a 360 review and a 360 review is usually it happens at work. You do a self-reflection, somebody else rates you that are your peers, your manager rates you and your direct reports rates you. And so it, this idea of 360s, you get a 360 view of usually your strengths, your opportunity areas. Um, but what I love about that or other just performance appraisals or just any other feedback from anybody, um, especially when it comes to the strengths, um, I think you should look at those things that you get because it's all feedback and see where your values might be showing up as a strength. Now, as people, as humans, we generally go towards the negative comments on those kinds of things first. It's just human nature, right? Um, because we always want to get better. We want to see who said what and all those kinds of things. But when you're looking at um, any piece of feedback, what we often overlook are the strengths and how that might be telling us how we are showing up to others and how we're living our values there. So it might be a really great other data point to review just other feedback that you get to see how people see you and how your values are showing up there. I would say, you know, sometimes we have blind spots in a good way. It's like a bright spot. Somebody sees us as um, a mentor or a coach and we don't even realize it, or they see us as a connector or a communicator. And so how do those then um, track back to what your values are and how you're showing up at work? Yeah, yeah, well said. And just a couple of things I got uh, feedback from that. So definitely feedback. So in your book, you talk about someone said you need a smile more. What, what was that about? Or how did you take that in regards to value? I needed a what? Smile more, you wrote in your book. Oh, yeah. I get that feedback all the time. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, in my professional career, I'm pretty much introverted, meaning like I like to, when I'm in the zone, I'm focused. So there's a book called Five Gears. It's about sort of fifth gear is when you're totally focused. Three is when you're sort of having fun, you know, two's for family, one's for self-reflection and anyway, reverse. So I try to live my life in level five, meaning I'm just super focused. And that's super focused. If you look at my face, I'm literally, I don't want to speak to anyone. I'm literally in another zone. And when people come to me and interact and they're like, is he being an asshole? I'm not being an asshole. I'm just literally so focused on the task that I'm not in that space for um, personal chit chat, but then I'll easily switch gears and it's like I'm bipolar. So a lot of feedback I get from that would be, if I did a 360 feedback with my colleagues would be, yeah, Michael's uh, pretty, pretty much intense uh, sometimes. But anyway, that's- Yeah, I get, I get the same feedback. I'm an introvert as well. And I think all of this, it's interesting how- your style um, intersects with some of your values too. And what I like to use my values for too is almost like a filter. So you're going to get lots of feedback across your whole lifetime. And what I talk about too is your values can also be a reflection of how you lead your authenticity. And so I am, you know, I love growth and development. And so that's how I'm going to lead. I'm going to, I'm going to want to learn. I'm going to want to, um, you know, ask those questions, right. And help others. But, but also in my style as an introvert. So just like you, I might be in deep thought. I might be connecting the dots. I might be whatever I might be doing and the look on my face is um, very serious 
or it's sometimes misconstrued as being mad or not agreeing with somebody, right? And so, um, so what I love also about um, this idea of feedback and values, like I don't, there's no one right way to be the, a leader. I want you to show up as you are, and I use that feedback at, and my values as a filter. So. You know, you, you somebody might tell you, hey, you need to smile more, um, or I've been told I'm, um, I need uh, gravitas. I talk about that in the book. I need more gravitas. Like, what does that actually mean? So I looked it up, and I in the book it actually means high seriousness, uh, and uh, and that's that's me. <laughs> so I'm actually quite serious sometimes. And so other people's versions of who they think you need to be at the end of the day, right? What is authentic to you? Are you living your values? And for me, I have to say, hey, what's important to me is I am continually learning. I'm helping others learn. It doesn't matter if my if I'm smiling while I do it. Am I showing up in the meeting and asking questions? Am I showing up in the meeting um, developing others with that lens? And that's how I measure success. And so um, you're going to always get feedback you know, no matter what, especially as you um, raise uh, rise in organizations. But I also like to use the filter of my values to to parse out what's important and kind of what's not. Because all sometimes the the thing about feedback, it's more about the person giving that feedback as opposed to you receiving that. So use feedback in a in a couple of ways, but feedback sometimes tells you more about the person giving it to you. I was just about to say a lot of people giving feedback it's based on their values and what's what's valuable to them so that's that's a big one another value of mine which i didn't put up there which probably even supersedes family is something that i've always well it's been a part of me for about 20 years is um i'm actually a truth seeker so what that means is i'm actually people can misconstrue that as a conspiracy theorist as well because i've been studying that field for about 20 years and i'm not a conspiracy theorist per se I'm just someone who's interested in in the truth and and the truth leads you down many different rabbit holes and different knowledge. So I spent a lot of my time in those particular rabbit holes, but that's, that's a private thing that I don't share. And I'll start sharing that a lot as well because I speak about a lot of that stuff in private to friends and family that know me well. So again, it's about knowing, are you holding back some of your values? Like for a long time, I wouldn't tell people I was an author or I wouldn't tell people that I was into books. Don't know why, but I just wasn't in the right crowd of that. I look back now and I was a lot of people hold back their values as well. So is there anything, suggestions you would say about people holding back their values that they should, you know, actually talk about more, you know, thinking, they're thinking and they're talking about it and they're acting on it. Should they spread it to the world or they should keep it private? What are your thoughts on some private values that people should make public is my question. Yeah, I, I think you're going to be more fulfilled when you're living your values. But I will also say that I think you need psychological safety to all, to, to feel safe as well. Um, so if, if you're at a point in an organization that you don't feel psychologically safe, then I'm not going to tell you to do something that you don't feel safe with if you don't have trust. Um, those kinds of things. But if you have um, if you have a trusted relationship with your family, with close friends, and you feel like you haven't been able to live certain values, like you said, that might be a really great place to start and to start talking about it um, because they are they're interested in what you are interested in. They want to know what you care about. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mean other. Yeah, I don't mean friends, family, and organizations. They know, they know. That's all I talk about. But I'm saying publicly, like my brand, best book bits, where I don't share any of that. Should I start sharing? So that, that's, I, I guess that's the question I've got in my head. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. This is not a coaching session for me. But <laughs> in the book, you talk about uh, values vision board as well, and I love how you put that together. Can you talk uh, a little bit about values vision board? Yeah, values vision board is a way to keep this front and center. So it's a way that you can build and use it as a tool. So sometimes we use a vision board to think, hey, this is what I want in the future. And it's almost like I can manifest that beautiful beach house or whatever. But I love to use it more of as a point of reflection and a grounding of, hey, this is who I am. So I built a values vision board and I liked to do it digitally. Some people like to use magazines, but basically you um, take out pictures or phrases or um, different ways to represent your values. And so I've used that in a number of different ways in organizations. I've used it in um, explaining my leadership style, what's important to me in an interview. I've used it as a as a takeaway um, in a new um, manager relationship, just explaining, hey, here's who I am and this is what's important to me. And so it's a really fun way to use to communicate yourself, but also I just keep it in front of my desk, very similarly to how you just said, hey, I have my values kind of um, on the board. Um, it's just a visual reminder of at the end of the day, this is what's important to me. So let's keep it front and center. Um, and, and it helps um, as a communication vehicle and then also just as a grounding mechanism as well. Yeah, it's perfect. And in the book, you also talk about uh, encouragement file. What is an encouragement file? Yeah, an encouragement file. It goes back to that that step on feedback sometimes or just the days that are just harder, right? Sometimes the days are just hard. An encouragement file is something that I learned about that um, if you get a, a thank you note, um, if you get those positive comments in that 360, um, you get a, an, an email from a vendor that, that's saying, hey, you rocked that meeting. I like to keep all that in one place. So I literally keep an encouragement file. So on the days that I'm not feeling at my best, it grounds me in what I'm doing and what my purpose is. And it's in its words from others. So it's not even me. So it's getting me out of my own head, right? And it's and it's bringing me back to how other people see me living up my values. And I think it's a, just a, a really good tool to have. And also just another way to, to celebrate what's going well as well. Yeah, no, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think that's really cool and something that people can apply. Uh, in their life as well, because we don't, as you said earlier, we, we don't focus on our strengths. We always focus on our weaknesses or the, the small things where, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Should we just continue to double down on our strengths and sort of let the lower values and lower weaknesses be what they may? We sort of didn't answer that question before we go to audit time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a proponent of let's accelerate your strengths to towering strengths as opposed to you know, if you have a gap or something that you're just not great at, um, it, it's going to be really hard to make that a strength. Like you have lots to overcome. So I'd rather have a diverse team that lots of people do lots of things in different ways. Um, as an entrepreneur, the way that I figure this out is that I outsource or I hire out for some of the things I'm not so great at so I can focus my time on the things I am good at. And so this idea of playing into your strengths, I think is, is a, an important one. 
Well, the way I see it, the world needs your strengths, not your weaknesses. Like, I don't know your weaknesses because I don't care, but I know your strengths, which you wrote a great book about values. And, and you know, that's that's going to be uh, most impactful to the world instead of your weaknesses, which might be whatever they are. Anyway, jumping into the next value, talk about audit time. Now, you write, review your time to see where your values do and don't show up in your life and learn how to use your values to make difficult decisions at home and work. Can you talk to me about auditing your time? Yeah, I think um, there's lots of different ways that you can audit your time. And um, it's a it's a common practice in some of these leadership books. Um What's different about this is I want you to track your time, but then I want you to put an overlay of your values over it. And when I've tracked time in the past, I generally I'm tracking work time, but I really want your whole person, right? Your whole, whole human being. And I want you to track all of your time for, you know, four or five days, see, see what's happening and then say, where in these blocks of time do your values show up? And it's eye opening. It is just eye opening. Opening. First and foremost, about how much time you might be using to your benefit, and then how you're using your time in ways that you just didn't didn't realize might not be to your benefit, right? And so some of these things, especially at work, it's hard because not all of us have autonomy over our calendars. Um, you know, there's all these meetings you have to go to. Even those meetings, I want you to overlay your values, and what that can show you is, you know, are you living those values or not? And so. Um, there'll be times where you're not, and I don't expect every minute of your day to be living your values. They're going to be honest, right? Um, but it's a, it's an eye-opening exercise because you can find, you'll be happily surprised to see the places where you are absolutely living your values at home and at work. I had a client that one of her values was creativity and another one was family. And she realized after this exercise that um, that showed up, those kind of intersected as she was cooking with her family because she could be creative in her kitchen and she was doing it with her with her kids. And she didn't she never realized that's kind of what that was and that's how that was manifesting. So it was a really cool surprise. On the other end, I had a client who was at a company and she was in a new role and this it was a, a big role at this matrixed organization and she had audited her time. She was just in all these meetings that she was trying to add value and she only get a couple of minutes of air time. And one of her values was influence. And she just wasn't able to influence because she was, you know, in this big organization. And it was just really hard for her to do that there. And she was fighting for that airtime and didn't feel like she was making a big contribution. Um, and so she had a recruiter that had reached out to her and she had declined the job. And after she did this audit, she was like, oh my goodness, I'm at work. I'm not I'm not in my in my strengths. I'm not living my values here. But at this other job that I just turned down, I would be. And so she after she had that realization, she called the recruiter back and she took the other job because she realized this is how I want to be spending my time, not in these kinds of meetings and these kinds of meetings. And so it doesn't have to be huge life decisions. They could be, right? But I think the audit just uncovers different insights um, that you you just might not um, have dug into with this lens of values. Yeah, awesome. Some of the notes I got from the book and one great quote, don't run from a bad situation, run towards your values, which was which was really cool. You talk about values checking, which is, you know, one way to make big decisions is to check in with your values as well. 
which is great. Another one is alignment with values after doing a check-in. You know, pin, like you talk about in the book, you, you pinpoint your unhappiness in your current position was your lack of achievement and growth. And once you could name it, you know, you couldn't ignore it as well. And that's something in my personal uh, professional career as well. I've been unhappy with uh, some of the things I was doing. So you know what I did? It's If it's my fault, it's my fix. So once you know where the unhappiness stems from, nip it in the bud, fix it, get another job. So that's what I did. Yep. That's some of the values I got from that. Also, you talk about uh, values calendar review as well. What is values calendar review? Yeah, when you are actually looking at your calendar and saying, what am I actually spending my time on? <laughs> Writing it down. And then you're, um, you're overlaying your values. So for instance, in a given day, I might be, you know, I, I spend time with the family in the morning, getting my kids ready for school, having breakfast with them. That might um, then be where I say, you know, I'm meeting my value of family and at nighttime again too. Um, I might have different meetings throughout the day, some of which might be aligned to my values, some might not. Um, I might be checking Instagram. I might be, you know, scrolling mindlessly because I don't want to do something. Um, I might be taking a walk outside. And so um, after you kind of log and do this review of your calendar, um, you inventory where your values are showing up to gain insight and understanding of, um, of, of where that is happening and then what gaps you might have to your point. So then you can do something about it. So, I mean, I wrote this book, but I still have gaps every single day, right? And so this review is not meant to do every single time, but it can be done at least once a year so that you can get an, an audit basically of, of things that you might need to change, meetings that you might not need to be in anymore, or things that you might need to add back in. It also shows um, like those happy surprises that I mentioned before. Yeah, absolutely. There's also another one. Um just a personal note, me and my wife sat down on our wedding anniversary and we decided what our values are and what we love to do. And, you know, we wrote down a whole thing such as, you know, we love to love, eat, laugh, to smile, family, memory, adventure, travel, dance, sing, you know, a whole bunch of just words and phrases. And we actually wrote it on a big, you know, we painted it on a thing. We put it in our, in our, um, in our bedroom. And it just, those things check in with your values on, you know, even your spouse or even your kids. And I like the story you said about the, the lady that come over cooking with the, their kid. The, that's part of your values as well. So having a values calendar review, it's another way of setting goals, but also setting values and setting intentions and making time for those values as well, which is huge. And I spent a lot of my time journaling and a lot of my time thinking about what do I, where am I going to spend my four currencies next month, which is time, energy, emotion, and money. That's it. Like, and I want those aligned with my values and I don't want to spend time in things that aren't according to those values as well. You talk about values worksheet. What's a values worksheet? Is that sort of something, is that like a smaller version or is that a day-to-day -day thing or a weekly thing or a monthly thing? What's, what's a values worksheet? A values worksheet is um, how you understand what your values are. So that's part of um, the first section of values, the values first um, uh, framework is getting to those we had we both named our values. Some people aren't able to name it that quickly. And so that's a worksheet that can help you identify what those are. Moving on because we'll run out of time. It's an amazing book for people out there. Just buy the book, <laughs> values first. So life boundaries, you talk about uh, set your values first, priorities to create the boundaries you need to truly live the life that you want and create a system for keeping those boundaries in place. Can you expand on life boundaries? 
Yeah. And these are the things that once you see the values review, right, you might need to make some changes. So a big one that I find with my clients is that they're not taking time for themselves. And so for me, um, my, um, my value of balance, this is where this shows up. And I don't mean work-life balance. Like I don't believe in work-life balance. It's more about setting priorities based on, um, putting boundaries in place that align with my values. And so this idea of what boundary do you need for yourself is often one that comes up and it is you is usually taking time from something else, which is probably work, <laughs> deprioritizing something and putting in an exercise routine. For me, it's, um, I like to do indoor rowing in the morning and then I like to take a walk at the end of my day to kind of cap off my day. Almost like I used to have a commute and I would have my alone time and my commute in my car right now I work from home. And so I take a walk where I shut off my, you know, laptop, go for a walk, I'm outside, then I come back and then I'm ready to be with family. And so what are those boundaries that you might need to put in place? Sometimes it's a time boundary. So I have to shut my computer to go out on the walk, right? Like I have to do that. Um, and that, that is so beneficial to me on so many levels. Um, sometimes it might be a mental boundary, right? We all have imposter syndrome or just limiting beliefs that we have. And so sometimes a boundary that we need to put in place is just giving ourselves permission to do something, right? And so their boundaries can look like a lot of things. Um, but what this does, it shows you a system and the way that I know works for me and my clients is to build intrinsic motivation is to, this is where some of the psychology stuff comes in, right? <laughs> is to, is to tie your value, um, to tie your boundary to a value. So that's the first step in the process is you are going to be more apt to keep it because it's tied to something that you care about. So important. So it's the first step. The second step is to set up a system. So for me to, to leave, to go to walk, what do I have to have in place? I need, uh, I might block it in my calendar. I might make sure that I have childcare. I might make sure that my, you know, I have walking clothes or workout clothes ready. Like what are those systems that I need to do that? And then um, I celebrate consistency. This is another piece of that psychology, that positive reinforcement. You need to celebrate consistency to reinforce um, that behavior. Um, and, and sometimes it's um, it's reinforcing enough just to have the boundary, but boundaries are like habits. They're hard to start. And, and sometimes it's also hard to keep because I'm probably going to have to say no to something. So I'm going to have to say no to more work. I'm going to have to say no to a friend that wants to grab a drink at happy hour. I'm going to have to say no to, to something else to do the things that I want to do. And so um, celebrating consistency is a key piece of it. And again, back to that, we don't kind of celebrate our wins. Um, it's also hard to celebrate consistent boundaries too. So it's just an extra kind of motivation to keep that boundary in place is to celebrate that consistency. That, so those three steps to build a boundary. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I got a lot from that. Circling back to your, your value of balance. So for, for when I get out of that as well, that those lower values might incorporate multiple values such as family, friendship, self-care, and health. So you might have four sub-values within that main value as well. Would that be correct in saying that as well? Like for me, my wealth incorporates 12 different things. That incorporates best book bits, multiple businesses, jobs, multiple streams of incomes, multiple, like that one value can incorporate so many different sub-things as well. Would, would that be correct? 
It, it can. And I, and I think that's a piece too. Um, what does success mean for you? There's a worksheet in the book called, um, I'm successful and living this value when I'm living this value when, and so for wealth, you can say, I'm living this value when all of these things, like all of these tangible things, this is what that make. That's what that means. And I think that might change over time. So wealth could be a value that's very consistent for you, but year to year or even season to season, it could change. Like what does success look like? And success doesn't have to be the huge things that like, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm the wealth person in the world. It could be small things like um, one new passive income stream, or it could be a connection that you made. It could be lots of different things. And so as you, um, as you define values, it's not just important on what is the value, but like, what, what am I striving for? And then building those boundaries around those guardrails to help you successfully attain that life. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then just to tie it up, so the three things we got from that before was tie it to a value, set up a system, and celebrate consistency. There's so much other things in there. You talk about non-negotiables, when boundaries are broken by others. People can read this in the book as well. So give yourself permission to prioritize you, which which is huge as well. And you know your long-term peace is greater than the short-term uh, discomfort as well. Job setting and boundary setting, but going up to you in the next value, which is uplifting uh, others. You talk about find the support you need from peers and mentors to keep your boundaries intact and learn strategies to model your values with your team by building a value-first culture as a leader. Can you expand on that, uplifting others? Yeah, uplifting others, like after you start putting in some more boundaries, people are going to notice, they're going to see it. And especially if you're a leader in an organization, um, what I find is that, you know, it gets lonely at the top, right? As you continue to advance in your career or even in entrepreneurship, um, you need support. And so peers are such an important um, point of you know, getting inspiration from peers and then holding you accountable. So I talk about the importance of having a peer group, which I call your catch crew um, along the way. And it could be somebody that can help you um, hold accountable to those boundaries and to cheer you on along the way. And then in terms of your team, you're uplifting others by living your own values. You're giving others permission to do the same and um, they're not going to do it if they don't see their leader do it too. So one of the most important things that you can do for your team to motivate them is to have boundaries and live your values because then it'll give them permission to do the same for their life. Yeah. And I think talking about values as well and making it an open conversation helps other people explore their values as well and understand yours as well too. Yes, absolutely. I think that's an unspoken thing. Like if people don't talk about their values and they have no idea that, you know, my values might be uh, family first. So that's why I leave work on time because I want to go home to my family where others might have socialization or family down the bottom of the list. So they want to work overtime and stay at work longer. So there's always a conflict of values. If you're not open to say, Hey, you're not my priority colleagues, my actual priority is my family. And that's shown by my actions and how I spend my time as well. Going into E, you talk about experiencing conflict, create a plan now. So when conflict arises within yourself or your team, you can easily know what to avoid and know to move forward in alignment with your values as well. Do you want to expand on that a little bit too? Yeah, I think these are sometimes the, the difficult situations 
um, that you find yourself in. If you have to uphold a boundary, um, you might be in a situation where there's a conflict or you might have just conflicting values. So sometimes I have my own internal conflict where my achievement goal is conflicting with my family goal. And what sometimes usually wins um, is, is the conflict, right? And so um, there's different strategies and worksheet, worksheets to work through so that you can prepare for these tough conversations because it's not if but when conflict arises. Cool. And then you talk about the catch crew and in, in, in the last one, S, which is sustaining values. So build an action plan to live your values and boundaries for the long haul as well. Can you expand on the last one, which is S, sustaining values? Yeah, sustaining values is all about, you know, teaching you how to remain actionable. And this is going to evolve over time. Your values will change over time. But I didn't want to do a one and done kind of framework that you see out there in some of these leadership books. So I want to teach you how to make it a sustainable practice. And so this goes back to your the peers or the people that you hold dear. How can you hold it accountable? So I teach you how to make a plan and talk about it with others and give you different prompts and different things to talk about throughout the year so that you can keep each other accountable to ensure that you're not only living living your boundaries, but also living your values for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about setting those. So a great book, by the way, and, and, and it's great how it's structured too. So it's a beautiful flow as well. Thank you so much for sort of deep diving into that as well. Where can people sort of buy the book, find out more about you? Do you have a website or a, a particular place where people can buy the book um, or is it just on Amazon or yeah? I do. Yeah, you can, they can grab it on Amazon. There's also, there's so many really great exercises that we built in accompanying workbook that they can grab for free at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. And you can get a, uh, a an accompanying workbook sent um, directly to your email. Awesome, awesome. Laura, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Best Book Bits podcast. And uh, yeah, great book. Thanks for sharing it to my audience out there. Uh, please go out and buy this book. Uh, everyone's got values and this will be a major, major thing in your development and understanding of yourself too. So again, Laura, thanks for being a guest on the Best Book Bits podcast and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. All right, Norris. All right.